It's episode 535 of the Roadman Cycling Podcast. Today I want to talk about the Vuelta España and Remco Evnepol. Let's cue that intro. The big question is this. How do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness and our longevity? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Roman, welcome back to another Roman podcast. I want to talk about the Vuelta a España, and you can't talk about the Vuelta a España without talking about Remco being resplendent in red. <laughs> I just couldn't resist. There's something so pleasing about that alliteration of the repetitive oars. Remco resplendent in red. He does look pretty damn cool in his red leader's jersey at the Vuelta a España. And honestly, he's hardly put a foot wrong. It's a week since we talked about the Vuelta a España. The last rest day, actually, when I had Joe Laverick on the podcast, and he was saying they hadn't quite earned their rest day because they had two sprint stages and a time trial up to that point. They definitely have now earned their rest day. They've had two seriously difficult mountaintop finishes. Today, they finished up La Prairie's probably butchered the pronunciation. It was stage nine. It was a category one finish. Although it was only 3.6 kilometers in length, it was epic. And it set the scene for Remco just twisting the knife on his closest rivals. Einrich Mass from Movie Star probably looks to have the best chance of pushing Remco in the hills so far in the race. It's you know, we talked about Roglic being the overwhelming favourite going into it, but a little bit uncertain as to what his form was going to be like. He bluffed it well, winning an early stage, which was a slight little kick uphill, and we thought, oh, Roglic is here to dominate again. But he hasn't been at the level of Remco, and, you know, going into the rest day, now we have Roglic is a minute and 53 down. Not a disaster after nine stages, and still a lot of bike racing to go, and I think there is some chinks in Remco's armour, which I want to talk about. But 153 down on the first on the second rest day after nine days wouldn't be the place that Roglic seen himself in this race. Einrich Mass is only 112 behind him, and he's the closest competitor. And that's what I mean by Mass seems to be the one who can match him in the mountains. But up Las Prades yesterday, he just couldn't. On the finish line, Einrich Mass said, I went too hard trying to follow Remco. I would have gone better if I had kept going at my own pace before smiling. I'll remember that next time. At the moment, Remco seems to be unbeatable, but this race is three weeks long. Today, he was stronger than me. But as I've been saying from the first day, I'm racing here day by day. Einrich Mass not giving a whole lot away there, but maybe saying that you know, Remco, league of his own, you need to follow. It seems like he's racing for a podium. Roglic is not racing for a podium which, you know, Roglic is a three-time winner of this race. So I feel like we're going to see fireworks. I feel like we're going to see Roglic putting Quickstep in a position that they're very uncomfortable with. Like, Quickstep are not a team for the high mountains. Quickstep are not a team for controlling the general classification. On top of that, they lost P- Peter Siri on stage nine at the start. He didn't take the line because he has COVID. Quick step, if you think about it, the, the Patrick Lefevre project, which has been the modern iteration of Quick Step, this has never been a Grand Tour team. They've never won a Grand Tour. This is a team set up for sprints, Cavendish through the years, Bennett, now Fabio Jakobsen. They're set up for classics, Julian Alaphilippe, Philip Gilbert back in the day. 
uh, you know, Jasper Stuyvens. Like it, this is a classics team, and they are one of the best, if not the best and most successful team in the world at what they do: sprints and classics. They've the current world champion, Julian Alaphilippe, the housewife's favorite amongst their ranks. But when we talk about controlling a race in the high mountains, when we talk about the nuances that go into holding onto a jersey, that's very, very different. And that is something really different. I've had George Hincapie on this podcast before, and you get a sense that Hincapie is obviously Lance Armstrong's lieutenant through seven Tour de France's. And I chatted with him on the podcast and off air a lot about the difficult stages, the deals that have to be done to, you know, let people in a break, uh, give jerseys away to get jerseys back. There's a lot of wheeling and dealing and it takes experience. And he talked about the first few years of having the yellow jersey and the naivety they had, the energy they wasted and how they got out of jail so many times with just pure luck. And as this, you know, mammoth Goliath built steam through the seven iterations of the Tour de France that Armstrong successfully defended the jersey, they learned lessons along the way. And that's what good GC, GC teams do. Team Ineos or Team Sky done it with Froomey through the years. Now we're seeing it with Jumbo Visma and we're seeing it with UAE. Um, I was critical during the Tour de France of UAE, you know, still their naivety, having won the Tour de France already twice. But we're looking at a GC team now in quick step without any of that GC experience. They don't understand when to let breaks go. They don't understand the deals that have to be done. And, you know, it's easy for me to sit here as an armchair quarterback because I definitely don't understand the nuances of those deals either. That experience has to be lived. You have to win these big races to gain that experience. And that's where I feel the chink in the armor of Remco is. That, and I've been a little bit critical of Remco through the podcasts, through my, I wouldn't say through all 535 of the podcasts, but at times I have been critical of Remco because I see him as a little bit of a cocky kid and cocky kids sometimes do arrogant cocky things which aren't always a lot, like cockiness and arrogance isn't a line that sits at the far end of the spectrum to conservation, shrewdiness. And these are a lot of the characteristics we need from Grand Tour winners. Having said that, Remco's just answering with his legs at the moment and he is just light years ahead of everyone. Uh, it's talking after the finish of the stage, he said, I think the two strongest climbers are not here. That's Jonas Vindegaard and Tajay. I'm really happy with how I'm climbing. I've been working really, really, really hard to get to this level, to get the legs and to get to the perfect weight. What we have so far is perfect, but I'm not going to say I'm the best climber or rider so far. That's really difficult to say. I think you know it's obvious for anyone to see that he's the best climber so far. Uh, he was fo- followed up there asking about his GC ambitions, and he was reluctant. And he said, can I express that ambition now? Yes, I think so. The race is very long, and there could still be a bad day. But we said from the beginning, we'll have to follow what the legs say. The legs are saying... He's the best rider in the bike race at the moment. We've seen Remco unstoppable, untouchable in these one-week races, in one-day races. We've never seen Remco in a three-week race. We've never seen Quick Step defending a jersey in a three-week race. If this was Roglic with a 112 lead on second place and a 153 lead on third place at this stage in the race... You'd be like, it's home and hold, it's done. There's nobody catching Primos. If this was a Tajay Pogaccia in that place, if this was a Jonas Vindegaard in this place, a Chris Froome back in the day, we would not be debating that there's still a bike race left. With Remco, we just don't know. Could he have a terrible day and lose 10 minutes? 
Uh, yeah, I think he could. I still honestly do think he could, as good as he looks. Could the team lose control of a breakaway, which Roglic gets five or six minutes? Yeah, I actually think that could happen as well. Am I going to be absolutely glued to this Velta because it's setting up to be such an intriguing Grand Tour? Absolutely. It is just such an interesting race at the moment. My personal highlight of the race so far, and if you've been a long-term listener to the podcast, you will know that Jay Vine was such an early supporter of the show and, you know, this kind of idea of reciprocity. We were such an early supporter of his before Jay was a huge star. He came on the podcast and we went through this on a life as a neo pro in his first year at Alpes and Phoenix. He just won this Wift Academy. He was moving into um, the World Tour ranks to do all these big bike races. But he didn't always get the opportunity and he spoke openly and candidly on the podcast about being frustrated at being looked over for races and thought of as the kind of gamer esports dude. And, you know, you can listen back. I think Jay must have been on the show four or five times. But to see that growth of Jay as a rider has been absolutely brilliant. And for him to bag two stage wins already in the Vuelta a España, it's unbelievable. And he's sitting in the mountains jersey and his team, Alpeson, uh, the, the, the names are getting so confusing these days. So I would have traditionally just said it's Alpes and Phoenix, but now it's Alpes and the Koenig Phoenix, I believe. And because the Koenig are sponsoring Quick Step and Alpes, which is very confusing for me, but Belgium just seems to be the way it is. Uh, one other lad on his team, which is riding out of a skin, is Jimmy Jensen's. And I actually have a little bit of personal history with Jimmy Jensen's. I think it was 2017, 2018, we got in a breakaway up the road. Myself, my training partner, uh, Sean McKenna, were in the break with Jimmy Jensen's. Um, we ended up being out there most of the day and caught a few kilometres from the line going into Galway for a Ross. But Jimmy Jensen's tore the legs out of us that day. Like the speed went up five or six kilometres an hour every time he came through to do a turn in the break. Myself and Sean hung on for dear life. The break hung on for dear life. We didn't make it that day. But the, what the lasting, enduring legacy of that day, beyond the pain in my legs that lasted for probably two, three days later, was just a memory of how strong Jimmy Jensen's was. And so it's cool watching him from the sideline now, watching him the breakaway today as he goes clear from it, and just thinking, oh, I know that pain. I know that pain of Jimmy Jensen's just completely sodomizing someone. He is an animal. So great work from him today and Rob Stannard taking the points for Jay Vine over the top of the categorised climbs and protecting the mountains jersey for him so let's see how deep into the race Jay can go on that he looks to be climbing so so well but has no GCE aspirations wants to protect the mountains jersey stage hunting but they didn't seem willing to let him in the break today which is a little disappointing to see but I think everyone's just worried about how good a climber he is next up tomorrow we have a pan flat 30 kilometer TT you would have to imagine our Olympic champion, Primoz Roglic, is going to be able to prove a point there. But Remco could potentially be the best time trialist in the world on form at the moment. So we're going to have a head-to-head, head-to-head, an old-fashioned tete-a-tete between these two giants of the sport, shaping up to be a massive wealth at Spania. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Great to kick off the week with another podcast for you. And I'll be back again tomorrow. Chat to you all then. Ride safe. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. This podcast really wouldn't be possible without our amazing listeners who have contributed to the running of this podcast since its inception over on Patreon. So thank you for everybody that has subscribed over there. You make this podcast possible. If you haven't subscribed yet, it takes about 60 seconds and it really keeps this show on the road. So you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash Anthony underscore Walsh 
buy me the price of a pint of beer once per month. It's not a lot to ask if you're getting value from the show. This works out at less than 25 cents per episode. So go to patreon.com forward slash Anthony underscore Walsh. And as always, on anything I mention on the show, the link is in the show notes.